Uh, let me start with a picture that I do not like. Um, I'm afraid of heights. And so I said this at the 9.30 service, you know, I made these slides, and my hands were sweating when I first found this picture. My hands were sweating when I made the, the slideshow, and I, they were sweating at 9.30, and even as I look at them now, my hands are sweating. Uh, this is taken from 1932 in New York City. Uh, these gentlemen are 832 feet off the ground, and they look really too casual to be having lunch in this kind of a space, if you're asking me. Um, I don't know, do you have any phobias, any fears uh, that are particularly maybe unique to you? If you're watching online, you can put it in the chat as well if you like. Maybe you're afraid of bugs. You know, I heard this week that a square kilometer of land in Canada has as many bugs and insects in it as as many people there are on planet Earth. So about 7 billion bugs and insects in one square kilometer of land. So maybe you want to go home and lock yourself uh, up. Maybe your fear of dark, maybe you're fa afraid of small spaces, clowns, I don't know what it is for you. Uh, but think about just a little bit of each of us have unique sets of fears. And fear is actually a gift. Uh, John Mayer sings, fear is a friend who's misunderstood. Fear is actually what keeps us alive. We're wired hard in our brains uh, to uh, respond appropriately when there appears to be a threat towards us. Um, meaning that fear is kind of responsible for keeping us alive. Um, and while none of us like fear and wish more fear in our lives, um, living without any sense of fear is very dangerous. In fact, in 1994, scientists came across a woman who'd had a certain brain uh, illness that had caused the part of your brain that registers fear to not work properly. And she was afraid of absolutely nothing. And so they did what I thought was kind of uncompassionate uh, experiments on her. They had her handle snakes. They had her handle tarantulas. They took her into a dark building in the middle of the night and released her. Um, they showed her really scary movies. And not once did she register any fear. In fact, she became curious and almost excited by each of the environments that they exposed her to. But then they realized this. Having no fear was incredibly dangerous to her. She got into some really difficult relationships where she was beaten. She was almost killed by walking around in the streets and not registering the threat of oncoming traffic. And the scientists kind of concluded that fear in healthy levels is an important part of everyday life. Now, you're probably like me. In the last few years, you have experienced either more fear or worry or increased levels of concern uh, than probably at any other time in your life. It would be true in my life, maybe it's true in yours. Initially, when the pandemic was started, we were maybe worried for our health, we were worried for the health of people that we love, maybe older members of our family. Um, some of us have been concerned for our kids and how this is impacting the trajectory of their life, their education, their mental health, their opportunities for kind of life path and for careers. Um, maybe you knew people who lived alone and were isolated during the pandemic and you watched how you were worried or concerned for them. Um, and chances are that all of us have lived with an increased level of fear or concern in these last few years. Well, we're doing this series called Starting Over. And we realize that in this month of September, it's an exciting, it's a new season, it's fall. Um, we feel to be like we're moving in the right direction with things, but there continue to be challenges that we're all kind of facing. Maybe lingering results of the pandemic that we're all still present in our life that we're trying to figure out. And I think one of those things is fear. 
And we're trying to figure out maybe, do I have a healthy amount of fear for certain things? Do I have an unhealthy amount of fear for certain things? And maybe you just don't even know anymore, and your ability to decide that is even feeling a little bit broken. Well, the passage that we're going to look at this morning finds the disciples in a really difficult space where they are kind of feeling overwhelmed with fear. I'm going to invite you to turn this morning to John chapter 20. If you're looking it up on the Bibles in, in the seat in front of you, it's on page 1686. I'm just going to start reading at verse 19, stop, make a few comments, and then finish it up. But John chapter 20, it's this chapter of Scripture that's found just right after the resurrection and just before the beginning of the church, where the disciples of Jesus have kind of gone missing, and they're found to be discovered in a really, really difficult season. Let me just read the first few verses for you. John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, let me just stop there for a second because John moves through a lot of things just in that one sentence. There's been a lot of drama in this day for these people already. Peter and John awoke that day and discovered that the tomb was empty. They did not know what had happened. Uh, Mary came and told them that she had had an encounter with the resurrected Lord. So there's lots been going on all in the same day. And they have now taken all of that news and they've run back to their homes. And they've locked the doors because they're absolutely terrified. Remember, they're beginners when it comes to resurrection. They've never experienced any of these kind of things before. So their doors would have had a large steel bolt, and the frame of the door would have had large metal rings, and they would have slid the bolt through the rings, fastening the door shut so that they would know that they were some sense secure. And their fear was specific. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders because they had watched the Jewish leaders fabricate information about Jesus, seen Jesus charged found guilty, then seen Jesus um, crucified in, in the cruel way that the Romans crucified people, nailing spikes through his wrists, attaching him to a beam, attaching that beam to another one, lifting it up, sticking it in the ground, and then just watching as he slowly died, all the while insulting him and humiliating him. And for these disciples, they were afraid if those same Jewish leaders discovered that they had been followers of Jesus, that the same fate would have been theirs as well. And so they hid, and they locked the doors, and they were afraid. Now, I want to stop for a second and just remind us something, and it's such an important teaching of Jesus that I think so often we forget, and it's quite simply this, that Jesus never promised the disciples, and he never promised you and I that we would have life without troubles. He never promised us that. In fact, in John chapter 16, where Jesus is unpacking the gift of the Holy Spirit and the way that God is going to continue to lead his people even after Jesus ascends to the Father, he writes these words. I've told you these things so that in me, so that in Christ, you may have peace. And we all, ah, good, we're promised peace. But then he's got another promise for us. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so Jesus, as he is trying to train these disciples, as he's trying to prepare them for what it's going to look like as follow, to be followers of him, he makes them this promise that you can have my peace and you can have troubles and they can coexist. 
Jesus is reminding them that you can have a horrible, rotten, difficult time. You can have a really difficult challenge and difficult season in life. And you can have peace in the midst of that. That things can go bad. You can live in the midst of a storm. And you can have peace. That troubles and the peace of Christ can coexist. Meaning that peace is not the final reward when you get everything just right and everything falls into place and the circumstances are perfect and then the reward is peace. No. Today. Jesus promises us that we today can experience peace even if we're living with elevated levels of fear, we're going through difficult circumstances, and that's his promise for us, which is such wonderful news because I don't know about your life, but my life has some troubles. Does yours? Do you have some circumstances you're trying to figure out? Are you maybe kind of figuring out how you're doing in this season? Are you trying to figure out kind of the levels of fear that you have in your life at this time? And maybe you wouldn't say, you know, I'm not cowering in the corner in the fetal position scared. But maybe fear is showing itself in some other ways in your life or in the lives of the people that you care about. Maybe it's impacting mental health, your physical health. Maybe it's impacting your spiritual health. Maybe it's impacting your ability to have relationships with people. Or you've got fear in one area of your life and it's kind of tainting every area of your life so all of life is bad. Or it's coming out in kind of biting humor and sarcasm. It's, it's there and it's expressing itself in other ways. So it's not hard for us to imagine that we would have troubles. But maybe it's hard for you to imagine today that you could have troubles, but also experience the peace of Christ in the midst of those troubles. And this is good news for us. That Jesus promises, yes, you're going to have troubles. It's part of life. But in the midst of it, my peace is available to each and every one of you. Well, let's look at how they get this peace, starting at verse 20 again. So Jesus shows up and says, peace be with you. And after this, he showed them his hands and his side. They had questions. They were concerned, like, what is going on here? And so Jesus shows them kind of the physical proof of the crucifixion on his body. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord when they realized who was among them. And then Jesus says this to them again, peace be with you, shalom be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then he said, and receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathed on them. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven, which is Jesus' way of saying, don't let anybody's sins be unforgiven. You have an important role here. Now, I love this image of Jesus kind of breathing on the disciples and giving them the Holy Spirit. For the record, breathing on people is still bad. You probably should not do it at lunch today. Um, But Jesus finds these disciples hoping that they have found some measure of security. They've locked the doors. They've hid themselves away. And in this hidden, locked state, they are assuming for themselves that they are now safe and protected. Nothing can get to them. And now they can experience some measure of peace. If you have a home security system in your house, maybe after you set it at night, you can say, okay, I can relax. I can be at peace because the security is set. But Jesus offers them something greater. His presence living in them through the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus offers them something greater, his presence living in them through the Holy Spirit. And he captures this in his breathing his breath on them. Now, this image, if you've read through the scriptures, should be somewhat familiar to us. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we have this image of the creator God holding a lifeless human being fashioned of clay. And then it says that the Lord put his mouth on the nose of this first human, exhales, and God's living breath fills this inanimate object, and it comes to life. The first human, Adam, is created. That God's breath somehow brings things back to life. Then in Ezekiel, we have this image of um, the Lord bringing the prophet Ezekiel to this valley of dry bones, trying to stir up in his imagination that sinful, broken, messed up Israel, who's kind of the equivalent to being dead, can they live again? And this is what he says. The hand of the Lord was on me and brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw the great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were dry. They'd been there a long time. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And Jeremiah said, which is the answer that you, we all give when the Lord asks us a question we don't know. Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy or speak to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. And it happens. Later on, when Jesus gets baptized, it says, the spirit comes upon Jesus and it's at that moment that Jesus now with the Holy Spirit in him is able to minister and carry out his ministry. That when Jesus heals, he is using power from the Holy Spirit to heal people. He's the incarnate Christ. He does not have the power on his own. That when he teaches, that when he cares for people and does these miracles, he's channeling the power of God to do these things. He's got a life inside of him that's even greater. And now Jesus gives the same gift to his disciples. And he gives the same gift to you and I. Because when you and I become people of faith, when we welcome Christ into our heart and agree to have him as Lord of our life, one of the things that happens is the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence inside each and every one of us. And from that moment, it's like God has breathed his life into us. We come alive to him. And we have his presence living inside of us. And we access that presence through prayer. That the daily practice of prayer is how you and I access the presence of God and therefore the peace of God. That at any moment, at any time, the Lord is with you. You can speak to him and he can help you experience this peace. That your prayers for help, that your prayers of just seeking his counsel, that your prayers are just kind of pouring out your troubles in kind of the garbled mess like you see here on the screen, just being silent in his presence and experiencing his presence with you, hearing him remind you that you matter and that you are his, that you belong to him, that he has redeemed you, and that as we experience God's comfort and care for us, we will experience his peace inside out peace. Or as Paul says, a peace that will rule over our hearts. 
Now, in hopes today of giving you something tangible around prayer, um, we've curated a little short prayer. Uh, We've printed it off. We've made it available at the Welcome Center. You can pick one up on your way out. If you're watching online today, we're going to stick it in the chat, and you you can find those words there or give us a call tomorrow at the office, and we can get you a copy. But it's a simple prayer that in those moments when maybe fear feels overwhelming or you don't know what to pray, or things just feel difficult, they're words that you can use. Let me just read them for you. This goes like this. It's a simple prayer. My good shepherd, shepherd me. Hear my prayer and my plea. May I abide in your peace, in your warm and shielding light. Help me not to feel alone. Be my refuge and my home. Protect my heart from fear and to trust that you are near. A simple prayer that we can pray in those moments to experience God's peace no matter what we're going through. So, these disciples have heard the news that Jesus is resurrected. They're absolutely overwhelmed with fear of the Jewish leaders. They run back to their place. They lock it up tight. Jesus shows up, breathes on them. They receive the Holy Spirit. And then what happens? What becomes of them? Do they kind of thank him for the little pastoral visit and he leaves and then they lock the door again? What happens to them? Well, actually, we have a snapshot of it in Acts chapter 2. Just a few weeks later, after Jesus breathes on these disciples, we have another snapshot of what their life looks like, and I want to share it with you today. In fact, I want to put it up on the screen next to the John 20 passage so that you'll see the difference. Let me just read these words for you from Acts chapter 2. The disciples, the ones that we just talked about, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, the same people that were hiding in the room. All the believers were together and held everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added daily to the number of those that were being saved. Do you notice any difference between these two groups? Are they even the same people? This is the difference of God's Spirit living in us, and we experience His life. And yes, they still had troubles. In fact, a little bit later after this, their very worst fear would come true. They would be arrested by the Jewish leaders, and some of them would be imprisoned. But God's grace was at work in their lives, and in the midst of their troubles, they had this incredible peace which freed them up to be the sent people, to be the people of God in that season. It's been one of the things I've been talking about in this series is that we as a church together, we remember our call to be sent. It's not enough just to say, oh, great, we're back in person, we're able to meet online, and there's a good number of people here. Okay, good. That's not enough. We have to rediscover the call that God has placed on our lives to be the church in this city. Do you know people who are living with fear in their lives, unhealthy levels of fear, who are feeling just kind of stuck where they are. And who is it that God would call to go to them with the good news that, yes, in the midst of your troubles, you can also have peace? It's our calling 
It's the calling of each and every one of us here to go to the world that God so desperately loves and to let them know they do not need to be locked away, hidden, but God has something so much, so much better for them. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up as we just get ready to conclude here this morning. You know, I fell in love with this chapter, chapter 20, and John chapter 21 this summer, and just kind of reading through the Gospels. And I felt it was somewhat timely for the season that we're in, a new season, exciting things happening. And yet when Jesus shows up and resurrected, the disciples really aren't in a very good space. There's people with a lot of different stuff going on. And one of those things is fear. And I wonder about you today. One of the things that captured my imagination about this chapter is that everybody Jesus ran into, he resurrected them. He resurrected them. Last week we looked at Mary. Mary's filled with grief. Jesus has an interaction with her. She's resurrected to joy. She becomes the first evangelist. In this story, the disciples are fearful. They're locked away. They're hidden. Jesus has an encounter with them, and they're resurrected to new life. They become the church. They become the people who are sharing and loving and caring. They're out. They're meeting with people. The next two weeks, we're going to look at two more stories of people who get resurrected as well. And I wonder about you today. I wonder about you if you could use a resurrection in your heart. If there's some things there that you're feeling a little stuck, some things you just feel you're trying to figure out, and you could use the power of God infused into your soul. So that in the midst of the troubles, which are inevitable, you could also know the peace of Christ. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you that even though the disciples had locked themselves away, put up barriers, protected and guarded themselves, you were able to break through. And so Jesus, we pray that you would break through the barriers that maybe we have put up around our lives, around our hearts, that you would break through and that we would experience a peace that does not make sense given the circumstances, but a peace that comes from having your abiding presence in us each day, knowing you are a prayer away, knowing you can give us everything we need for the season that we are in, knowing that we can count on your promises. And so Lord, today we pray that you would break through into our hearts and give us what we need. And Lord, we pray too that you would release us as a church, that as we discover this peace, we would be bold to share it with others who are just in a difficult space. We pray this in your name.